0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy
1: on MPB Think Radio. This is Dr. Jimmy Stewart. And you have reached the Halloween edition of Southern Remedy. That's right. We might touch on some things about Halloween. Maybe hear some scary music from time to time or some different music. That's just what we do here. Keeping it all alive. If you are around UMC today, UMMC today, on their main campus, you might check out the Children's Hospital. Uh, It is, I tell you what, Halloween is one of the funnest times in the Children's Hospital at UMMC. Uh, There are lots of costumes, uh, almost every physician or nurse is wearing something a lot of the kids uh, are doing that you know if you're unfortunate to be in the hospital on a holiday those are the kinds of things that really make uh, it a little bit more tolerable uh, trick-or-treating you had to watch out you know with some of the candy that's given out but they, they're going to be doing that all day today uh, in the children's Hospital at uh, at Batson, uh, and and uh, and it's going to be a fun day I've already seen a couple of pictures of some people and let me tell you what but if you give a little bit of leeway to, uh, you know, to some residents uh, in training, uh, they are very creative with their uh, with their costumes. I saw some of the MedPeds residents today had uh, dressed up as cereal boxes. So you had one toucan. You got like Captain Crunch. You got all kinds of different people walking around the hospital. So that'll be interesting today uh, in Halloween. And I know you, a lot of you and your families have probably got a lot of plans tonight. Uh, maybe you're going to a Halloween festival or a harvest festival. I know a lot of churches are putting on some things uh, if you want to get away from the scary type stuff, Uh, but there's lots of things out there in the communities, and uh, check them out. Stay safe while you do it. Make sure you have lots of good plans. We'll touch on those a little bit if we have time today. But first, we want to get to your questions, anything that you might be wanting to ask. Uh, If you've got a question about uh, your health or the health of a loved one, you can reach us this morning live at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's 1-877-672-7464, or you can send an email directly to us at remedy at mpbonline.org. Had one caller that uh, I think was calling in about renal failure. We're going to try to get him back on the line though. So if you if you're that caller, call us back. If we uh, accidentally lost you, we'll blame that on uh, Halloween today. I know my day started off that way. I was thank goodness I got up a little bit earlier than I usually do, but uh, my battery was dead in my car, so I had to jump it off. But uh, I had a little bit of extra time to do that. So there's lots of ghouls around under the hood of cars, and apparently at MPB Studios in. Uh, And we may have uh, lost people from time to time. So give us a call back. I did want to touch on one thing. There's a new study out there that was looking at childhood obesity. So we know that childhood obesity, particularly in the South and Mississippi, is a major health issue. So this is new uh, research, uh, and it's going to come out. Actually, this is before it actually has come out. So it's going to be in the November 2018 Journal of Pediatrics. And because of the rising obesity rates that we have, it uh, causes a lot of orthopedic problems. So people don't think about that when they think about obesity. But there's a condition called a slipped capital femoral epiphysis, or we call it SCFE, S-C-F-E. So it affects about 1 in 2,000 adolescents, and it causes the hip, in the gross center of the hip, to deform. And a major risk factor for that is uh, is obesity. So they looked at about, this is based off uh, some data from Scotland. They looked at about uh, a little over a half a million children in Scotland where they measured their, body mass index, that's a a measurement of of obesity that we use quite often, and uh, those who were obese at five years old had a 75% likelihood that they were to remain obese if they got to 12 years of age, so we know in obesity research that hitting this earlier in ages is much better than waiting till later, and they had almost 20 times the risk of developing this orthopedic disorder that can affect the hip uh, than a lower weight child, so that's a big thing to you know, just something else to add to the list that we uh, that we know is a risk factor with obesity. So if you're worried about that in your child, you want to get them checked out. There's a lot of good methods, non-surgical, uh, non-other methods for doing that and uh, uh, for for treating obesity and for treating some of the uh, causes of obesity. We know that uh, you know social dynamics, maybe eating behaviors. There's a lot of things that go into this. So check that out. Just one more thing to. You uh, to make you aware of some of the risk factors for that. All right, let's. I think we got our caller back, so let's go to Gary in Columbus, Georgia. Good morning, Gary. Let's see, let's get you on the line here. Are you there, Gary? Yes, sir. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you for calling. Good.
2: Um, My wife is in uh, final stage renal failure. She's on dialysis.
1: Mm, I'm sorry.
2: Thank you. She's got a really weird late stage in life disease, and. she has all kinds of symptoms. We're not sure from either medication or we're just really not sure. But the ones that get her the most are uh, restless leg syndrome. Uh huh. And she cannot seem to turn her brain off at the end of the day. Yeah. And she has been basically awake for three months now. She might sleep for an hour and a half or two hours a day. And I have a friend who does CBD research. And she thinks that. CBD oils might help her with her restless leg and making her brain slow down. I was wondering what you thought.
1: Yeah, that, that is a, a – once you get to the point where you're on dialysis, dialysis is good and it keeps you alive. However, it doesn't um, – there's still a lot of problems once you get kidney failure to that point. Basically, your kidneys help to filter out not just water, but a lot of other bad stuff that's in your in your blood. And there's a lot of electrolytes that they help to maintain uh, in proper balance in your bloodstream and the rest of your body. Calcium and phosphorus are, uh, are metabolism Metabolized or uh, the metabolism of those are, are controlled. So all these things, it's it's great that we have dialysis to help with that. However, there's still a lot of risk with that, and there's a lot of other problems. Now, she may have had the restless legs, you know, is, it may be associated with this. We don't understand fully why people get restless leg syndrome. I think your comments about she can't turn her brain off, that's a common one, that people, uh, when they present with this, they'll say, you know, not only are my legs, legs moving around when I try to go to sleep but I can't turn my brain off as well. Right, right. So the the number one thing is to make sure somebody's looked at her, you know uh, a sleep specialist, people don't necessarily think about this, they think about sleep specialists for sleep apnea and those kinds of things, but they can oftentimes um, uh, tease out other disorders that are associated with restless legs so I would do that first. If you've exhausted all the regular routes and, and medications, things like Requip. I don't know if you've if you've looked at that. That's a that's a Parkinson's like medication that's been pretty useful in less in treating restless legs. Uh, there's a couple of other ones out there too. I'm not aware in particular that CBD oil has been studied in depth. However, you're right. There's a lot of research in that. And you know, once you've uh, exhausted all other avenues, you may want to look into it. However, I would be very careful in somebody who's on dialysis, just because they're not going to clear a lot of different. Things from their system, uh, so even herbal or over-the-counter or non-traditional methods, those type of things can sometimes build up in their system. So I would research this thoroughly. Uh, ask your your nephrologist about that. That's the kidney doctor that's going to be mm-hmm. seeing her, uh, just to see if there's you know if there's anything out there about the metabolites because you do have to be careful with that. Even what you eat, as you well know, you know, a, a person who's on dialysis um, they have to watch what they eat because certain foods, uh, for instance, potassium, it can build up to levels where it can harm you. So you have to really, um, you know, stay on that. But I, if you've done everything else, I, I would mention the sleep specialist if you haven't already because they're they're instrumental in trying to tease out some of these other things that might be going on. There may be something to treat her uh, to get her some sleep because you're right. You go crazy if you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah,
2: she, she is. And we've uh, she has an appointment with uh, a sleep specialist. And uh, our dermatologist this week. So
1: good, that's great. Yeah, so I'm I'd, I'd trying to cover
2: all the bases. A caution, like you said, is
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely want to want to do that. So I, it sounds like y'all are moving in the right direction. Great. Okay, doctor, I appreciate your time. Hey, and thanks for calling, Gary. Thank you, sir. All right, yeah, the, uh, man. Sleep is a big deal. It everybody uh, takes sleep for granted until you're not getting it. You know, one way or another. Right? I got people like nodding their head saying that's right uh, because it is so important. And people don't understand it's not just to rest; it's to, to for your brain to work well and to think and to cognitively think about all the things you need to do. Uh, that's when your brain sort of reprocesses what went on during the day. So memory is affected. The hippocampus can't work right. That's the center. Of that helps to uh, integrate some of those new memories that you have from day to day. You can't, uh, there's a lot of good sleep research out of NASA and the military where they kept people up for days on end. You really can uh, at, at, the, at the end of that, if you're really not getting a whole lot of sleep, it's almost like having a psychiatric, a psychotic episode. So you have a psychosis uh, where you, I, I mean, it's just you lose all sense of who you are. You can hallucinate, uh, see things and hear things that are there it's just terrible you gotta sleep so see a sleep specialist uh if you don't know who those are look them up ask your physician to refer you to one all right let's go to o'neal in long beach good morning O'Neill. how are you doing
3: um uh, well sir how are you good uh i called the, I, I, I i'm in State three rental area the gentleman who called before he, he inspired me to call um i listen all the time oh good but uh I'm in stage 3 renal failure. I got, uh, I've got. i been diagnosed with something that's called uh, FSGS. I think it's focal segmental.
1: Glomerulosclerosis. Yeah.
3: yeah. There you go. There you go. Something like that. Um, and the question is, I'm African-American male, and, uh, and uh, I've been trying to read up on it, and it's got a bunch of uh, terms that I'm not familiar with, big old doctor terms. And um, I, I see that it affects African-Americans differently than it affects... Uh, you know, uh, non African American races, right? And and uh, I was wondering if 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 is like FSGS, like is it uh, like if you have it, are you definitely going to end up on dialysis as African American? Or
1: yeah, it's it's certainly uh, when you talk about renal failure, there's a progression, and then you mentioned the grading system, and I believe you said you're a stage three. Is that right? Yes, sir. So, okay. So so that's determined by a number of things, but the main thing is a test where they it's a blood test, and they look at a, a couple of different things and plug it into a, an equation, and it comes out with something called a GFR, or glomerular filtration rate, so our GFR. Yeah. And a GFR is different for males and females, and it's different for African Americans and Asians and Caucasians. Everybody, each population has a little bit different... Uh, um, normal ranges for those and then based on that that's basically a measure of how well your kidney is filtering things so it's a filtration rate calculation and uh, if it's it, the, the uh, lower the number on a GFR the, the worse the disease progression is and it usually these most of the time with something like this an FSGS is the underlying reason so that's what's going on in the kidney I'm assuming O'Neill that they did a kidney biopsy right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's the way you, you diagnose which type of kidney failure. So they do a kidney biopsy, and then they look at that, they do special tests on it and stains, and they help determine. Uh, there are things like minimal change disease that has a much better prognosis. Unfortunately, FSGS is one of the, I'll, you know, I'm just being honest with you, it's one of the the uh, the batter players as far as, as risk. Uh, O'Neill, you're right, it, you know, unfortunately, and, and man, African-American, Americans as a group have a lot of poor outcomes in a number of diseases, and we know kidney disease is one of those. Now, it's not a death sentence, though. It's certainly not something where you can adequately predict, okay, you know, you're definitely going to be on dialysis. The biggest predictor of that is how you do over time. And I'm sure at this point, you're probably, since you had the kidney biopsy, I'm assuming you're seeing a nephrologist, a kidney doctor, right? Yes sir. Okay. So they're going to they're going to look at reducing other things that might be affecting your kidney. For instance, high blood pressure, diabetes, anything like that and to help make sure you don't get any of those problems. So if you can control those things, and they may, even if you don't have high blood pressure, they may put you on a couple of medications that are used to treat high blood pressure and help slow down this progression. Uh, they'll probably talk to you about medications that you don't need to take if they haven't already, like ibuprofen is a big one. Everybody thinks Advil, Motrin, those are okay to take, uh, naproxen. But in your case, I would stay away from those completely. So, uh, you know, that's th- those are all things that can help slow that progression. Progression. Now, at stage three, where you are right now, you know, FSGS is a bad player. We know it has worse outcomes. But you could stay at stage three months. You could stay at stage three for years. Uh, you know, I've, heard, I, I've had a couple of patients that were there for at least five to ten years. FSGS, that may be a shorter time, but it's not necessarily a death sentence as far as going to, the, to dialysis. And in the meantime, they can be looking at, are you a candidate for kidney transplant? Um, you know, kidney transplant is, if you can get it, is a much, much better option long term uh, for most people and the lifestyle that you can live with a kidney transplant is a whole lot better than dialysis so uh, they'll probably be talking to you as you get you know if you get further down the road stage four stage five um, you know if you got to that point they'll probably be talking about those kinds of things
3: excellent uh, yeah and, uh, and I have been in contact with the doctors about such things we, had, we haven't been discussing uh, the transplant a possibility just yet. Uh, right, right. Uh, but we have been talking about the various medications and all. And yep. uh, I have one last question, doctor. Sure. I'm sorry. I hope not to take too much time. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, um, I have lately, like within the last two months or so, I've been getting sick, like flu like symptoms, uh, virtually every other week. And I mean, like every six or seven days, I'm, I'm literally like bedridden sick and I was wondering if that could possibly be kidney related.
1: It can. So you can have what we call systemic side effects, like even like low-grade fever, flu-like symptoms, muscle aches, pains, maybe even joint aches or pains, overall sure. fatigue. Uh, all those things might be related to the kidney because of all the things that it does. Um, make sure your nephrologist knows about that. They're probably already following a lot of the electrolytes and different things in your body. Gout is another one that can, that can present sometimes just because uric acid, which is the main player in gout, is filtered through. The the kidney. But mention those symptoms to them, and they'll probably want to do some more testing just to make sure it's not one of those things.
3: Yes, I have a renal panel scheduled for today.
1: There and, you go. Uh, okay.
3: Yep. And uh, I appreciate it, doctor. I appreciate you taking the time, man. And I just want to toot your horn a little bit. I, I listen, like I said, all the time. Is just... And I am very impressed with the extent of your knowledge, man. When it comes to medical things, like across so many different doctors' practices. Oh, I'm you very too, impressed, con- and I love the show. Well, thank, well, thank, thank you, O'Neill.
1: You're kind. I appreciate that, and we do appreciate you calling in. That's what makes this show good—is the questions that we get. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get to Tim from Bogalusa, Louisiana. He's going to be talking about a golfer's elbow. We've got plenty of time for your questions for the hour. You can call us at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven. Michelle McAdoo bringing us some scary music this morning and uh, we don't want you to be scared of us though and you can call in with your questions about your health. I will have to say this music right here has to be one of the scariest horror show musics, don't you think? I, I don't know if it's this, or i tell you what, though, a close second is Jaws, only because of my intense fear of sharks. Just those two notes over and over again. I don't even, I'm getting like chills thinking about that. So do not play that later. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're going to get me. <laughs> this is Southern Remedy. You can call us this morning with your healthcare questions for yourself or your family at one 672 7464 or send an email. Email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Tim in Bogalusa, Louisiana. Good morning, Tim. Let me get you on there. Good morning, Tim. Thanks for calling. Hey, Doc. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Thank you.
2: <clears throat> uh, I was just told yesterday I've had tennis elbow before, and it took a while to get over that. And, and But now it's on the funny bone on the other. <clears throat> I was told yesterday it was golfer's elbow if it's on the inside, but I sure need a quick fix. I've got a golf tournament Saturday. I need to try to oh, yeah. Try to play and it's it was sore for a couple of weeks but now you got some pain and and does the uh Braces deal that you that you could do on the tennis that you you know the straps yep. that you tighten down will that help for that too?
1: Yeah, it will. So this is epicondylitis is the technical term. Now we call it different things because of the sport that you're in. So tennis elbow is the classic one, but you're right, golfer's elbow. Anything that's going to have an overuse injury to those muscles, the muscles that control hand grip strength, the fingers that, that you know that are moving in and uh, uh, flexion and extension at the end of your hand, uh, and then forearm movements. So certainly with both golf and with tennis, you're doing different movements. If you do it over and over again stressfully, uh, you can you can right where those tendons attach to the bone at the elbow, and it can be on the inside or outside, either place. It's just a tendonitis at that point. And the way you treat it, you mentioned a couple of things, but um, rest is one. So rest up, if you got a tournament coming up, uh, you know, one or two days rest where you're not doing much is going to be key to you being able to do what you need to do throughout the tournament. Um, Ice does help to the area. In fact, a lot of people will do ice massage. So you can take a styrofoam cup, um, fill it up with water, freeze that. Peel the styrofoam back away from it and use that, the rest of the styrofoam sort of as a handle, and you can sort of massage that area. Uh, you can do that with a water bottle too. It's easy to, you know, to freeze those kinds of things. But massaging around that area, and that helps to sort of loosen up the, any kind of um, um, fibrous um, scar tissue that you might be developing in there. And, and then ibuprofen does help if you can take it. I just mentioned it's a bad thing if you've got kidney disease, but uh, certainly that, you know, just for a, for a couple of days, that may help more than anything else, just take an ibuprofen. Um, but rest, uh, ice massage, the, uh, and uh, ibuprofen can certainly help. The bands that you wear can certainly help for this too, even though it may be in a different spot. Um, and what that band is doing, it's like a big rubber band, basically, that fits around your, your forearm, uh, a little bit lower down than the elbow. And what you're doing is you're offsetting the main stress point that those tendons are inserting into the bone. So you're just changing where that happens a little bit. So all, and it's, But you don't have to do that at night. A lot of people wear it all day long. It's mainly when you're using it. So if, if you're resting, you can take that thing off. But if you're doing other things during the day, driving, maybe your job involves, you know, using that over and over again. Carpenters can get this, too, uh, just for, you know, if they're hammering, if they're using uh, equipment. Um, I'm building a kayak right now. And actually, I've got this in my right elbow. So And I'm stubborn mm. enough. I'm not a good, very good patient, Tim. So I'm trying to do some of these things myself. But uh, so those are the things that can work with time. But if you've got a tournament coming up, I would say don't do anything. Do those other things and see how it goes.
2: I laid off for a week, and that's why it, it actually didn't help. It seemed like when I started back – it was worse. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just, oh, well, you got pain with it. So if, anyway.
1: if you'll go online and and uh, uh, just Google tennis elbow, and they'll give you about five or six exercises you can do, too, because if you're at that point, you probably could start to do some, just some gentle exercises. Some of them say weights. I wouldn't even do weights at this point. But there's uh, supination of the arm. That's where if you hold your arm out in front of you with your palm down, you turn your palm over uh toward the outside of your body. So that's that supination can sometimes help if you do that, you know, over and over again. That can actually help. And again, you're just easing back into using those muscles, but you're also doing some stretching of it too.
2: Thanks, appreciate
1: it. All right, good luck to you this weekend. Thanks. Let's go to Sarah in Olive Branch. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Thanks for calling.
4: Uh-huh. Um, I just had a quick question about stool softeners. Uh Uh-huh. can
1: you stay on them endlessly? <laughs> uh, it depends on what they are. So, uh, and this is for constipation, right? I'm just making right. sure. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's a couple that are over the counter, ca- and I'm assuming over the counter too. These yeah. are okay. Uh, fiber ones that contain fiber. You really can't go wrong with fiber. They may be, you know, if you were born with a short gut or something like that, uh, that that may be a problem. But for most people, we need more fiber than what we get, and it's it's not. Um, Soluble and insoluble fiber are things that, you know, two different types. Uh, the insoluble fiber just helps to bulk up things and it helps to keep water in the stool, enough water in the stool that it moves through at a normal rate and it doesn't cause constipation so you can do that forever, in fact it is recommended that you do that, you can do that naturally through uh, what you eat and if you just think about it even like fruits or vegetables are a great place to start, the ones you have to chew more will generally have more fiber, so things that you have to chew a whole lot more um, those are going to have that insoluble fibers those cellulose and other particles uh, that help to move things along your body's not going to absorb them but they help to move uh, feces along in the gut
4: well are you talking about where you mix it up in water or are you talking about
1: capsules either one either one they'll have like fiber content in there and they may even like quantify it with how many grams of dietary fiber Mm -hmm. Uh, so you can get anywhere from like 20 to 40 maybe even 60 grams of fiber a day is a good healthy amount to have and you can get that with food but certainly from what you're talking about yeah it can be the capsules it can be uh, something like Metamucil that you, you mix in mm-hmm. with uh, you know with uh, any kind of liquid uh, that you're drinking uh, all of those work equally well and
4: is like, uh, like that like
1: Miralax Miralax is a little bit different so Miralax works it has particles it's called polyethylene glycol and it's not like ethylene glycol that you that's that's antifreeze so it's not the same (laughs) but polyethylene glycol is a substance that your body doesn't absorb at all so it stays in the gut but it attracts water Mm -hmm. so it keeps enough water in the stool to where it's not going to be reabsorbed out in the lower intestine so your your large intestine that's one of the jobs is to the longer stool sits in your large intestine the more water it's going to absorb out of the Stool back into the body, and the harder that stool is going to be. So Miralax helps to keep water in the stool longer, so that it can move through at a normal rate. Miralax is fine; it's one of my favorites to, and that's why it's over the counter. You don't absorb this stuff, so it's it's perfectly safe. Uh, the biggest side effect is diarrhea if you get too much of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can be—that's not one that you can get um, accustomed to, or a, you know, it's not really addicted to. But you know, a lot of times your body with a lot of the stimulants, so uh, some of the ones that are stimulants, those are the ones that you can get, uh, your body can get accustomed to over time. The Miralax well, is can, fine, the fiber's fine.
4: And the Miralax, could you take just a small amount every day instead yes. of taking the one big dose?
1: That's probably a better, a better way to take it, is to just do a small dose of it. So if taking it once a day, if a half a capful or a quarter capful works for you, then that's what. You should stick with, and you could take that the rest of your life; you'd be fine.
4: Okay, but these little red and white capsules—that I I don't have it in front of me because I don't know the name of uh, it—that are, you know, they're in a—they're just called stool softeners. You're saying you can take those.
1: If, all the time. If it just has... F- I would have to see what the ingredients were in it because mm-hmm. there are some that are stimulants that you don't want to take all the time because when you come off of them, your body's like, whoa, I need that again and I'm going to okay. harden the stool up. But if they just have fiber in them, FiberCon, Metamucil, all those kinds of things, those are fine
4: okay. to take.
1: And you can take that with the Miralax. That's, that's perfectly fine to take those both together.
4: Okay. Well, I take some medication that is really stops me up. So. Yeah,
1: if you, and a lot of people, if they're have, if they already on medication that may have that as a side effect, then I have patients like this that they either say, hey, you need to eat more fiber or maybe you need to take some Miralax. That's, that's certainly something you have to do sometimes. Okay, well,
4: thank
1: you so much. All right. Thank you, Sarah, for calling in. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to Sue in Beaumont. And uh, the number to call, though, if you have uh, a question for us on Southern Remedy is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. And oh no, here comes that shark. To Southern Remedy That's right Something strange That's Ray Park Isn't it There we go Ray Parker Ray Parker Jr. Ray Parker Jr. Okay I, think he, I can't remember what Something so if there's something strange that is going on with you, this is your chance to call in on this Halloween day to Southern Remedy. We're going to try to answer your questions as best as we can. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 7464 Or if you uh, want to email us, you can email us at remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, we got Sue on the line from Beaumont. So, Sue, thank you for calling this morning. Good
5: morning. I um, I wanted to ask you a question, but first I just want to make a comment. Years ago I used to write for the newspaper, and I wrote, I made up this story about Count Dracula in Mississippi. Uh. <laughs> it was hilarious. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, Count Dracula, he was hiding behind some azalea bushes in front, front of Aunt Marty's trailer. And she came back from, from trick-or-treating where really pushed a shopping cart because she went with her little niece, you know. Uh-huh. Anyway, so she, she got to her trailer, and, and there, this man jumped up behind the bushes, and he said, I want you, and she thought it was Victor from down to Jiffy Lube. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he came up to her, and he's going to kiss her on her neck, and she had this acidity necklace. Asafidiki, you know, is what old people, it smells like garlic. And uh, she had that around her neck to ward off cold. And he said, "What is that?" <laughs> anyway, the whole thing was hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> I want to ask you a question about. Sure. Uh, about I have these Hebridon Is that what they call them? nodes on my fingers?
1: Heberdon's nose, Heberton's right? Well.
5: at least three people within the past week have told me you need to start drinking this uh, vinegar and uh, honey mixture it'll really help is there any credence to that is that just
1: not that I know of so Heberden's nodes are associated with osteoarthritis and that's sort of the wear and tear uh, uh, arthritis type of arthritis that affects the joints and in the particularly in the fingers in the distal parts of the fingers the the ones furthest out those joints it affects and that's just because we use those so much the thumb is another place but Hebridens nodes are ones that are associated with that so honey and vinegar along with a lot of other things have been touted for years to try to you know improve that either symptoms or uh, to make them go away they won't make them go away they, there's not really anything to make them go away the pain associated uh, with those uh, it you know it might help I'm not aware of any data that says that it that it does definitely help but hey at that point honey and vinegar vinegar are certainly things that are perfectly safe for you to take, uh, and a mixture of those are not going to harm you in any way. Well,
5: the people who believe in that are adamant about it, you know.
1: I, well, the way I, I, you know, if it's not going to hurt you and it helps you, I'm all for that. Oh, so, well. So I would try it, too, but I, I'm not aware of any any data to support that, but that's never uh, stopped me from telling patients, look, try it. If you've reached the end of your rope and you want to try that, that's fine, uh, and if it works for you, that's great. I mean, if it's not going to harm you, that's fine. And certainly, honey and vinegar are going to be great for you.
5: You don't think, like, anti-gout medications would work on his hebrids his nodes?
1: Not really, not unless you have. Now, you can test for gout, and gout can present similarly uh, in some joints, uh, but they're going to they're gonna diagnose that a little bit differently with... But uh, well,
5: it doesn't hurt, so you know.
1: Yeah, if it doesn't hurt, now, gout will always hurt. If gout okay. flares up, it's going to be hot and inflamed and big joint, and it's nasty, and it'll hurt. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Sue. Thank you for calling this morning. All right, let's go to. I think we're going to go to Charles in Philadelphia. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Thank you for calling.
6: <clears throat> thank you for taking my call. I'm uh, <clears throat> 85 years old and in good health. Have you know always took good care of myself uh-huh. and uh, get a six month checkup and <clears throat> he's been checking my PSA and. uh Six months ago, it was going up to point four. It had always been low, uh-huh. and then this a few days ago, I had it checked again, and uh, which was six months after the last time, you know, and uh, it had gone up to uh, points to uh, six. And <clears throat> like I said, I'm 85 years old, and uh, the doctor won't tell me exactly what I need to do. He just Make suggestions, and I, yeah. I've read up on it and everything, and they say, you know, some of them say that if you're that old, you know, you might be better off, and it is does turn out to be cancer, you might be better off to just not do anything, and so I, I was wondering if you would give me some advice.
1: Sure. Uh, so you're right, so a PSA, what we know is it's one of the ways to screen for prostate cancer. Uh, it's not a very good screening test, although a lot of people will swear by it. They'll say, you know, it saved my life, it caught it early, and that's certainly true. Uh, however, it can go up and down for a number of reasons. So it can – all men, as we get older, it it goes up just because the size of the prostate gets bigger and bigger usually uh, the older we get. Um, if you're not having any symptoms, though, and by symptoms I mean if you're not having any problems urinating, if your urine is good – now, it, it, uh, it it's true. It does slow down, you know, over time just because that prostate getting bigger. But if it's not an abrupt change, you certainly can uh, – um, you certainly – you know, is not, it's not a very good test if you don't have those symptoms. If you do have those symptoms, it's... I haven't it's,
6: had any, uh, any change. Of course, yeah. um, you know, I, I have to... Um go a couple of times, at least a couple of times during the night.
1: But that hadn't changed in a long hadn't time. it changed. Yeah. So, I, you know, I would say I would be very careful about uh, aggressively going after this because the next step would be a prostate biopsy. And, you know, it can ha- even the biopsy can have a lot of, uh, you know, potential side effects. And, and urologists at this point, if you went to one, they're going to say, you know, you're right. Prostate cancer, if you have it, is a very, usually a very slow-growing cancer. And you can have it for uh, sometimes years and it not cause too many problems. Um, So if you're not symptomatic, if it's, you know, it's these are sort of the the. Uh, the the dangers or the risk of getting the PSA is what do you do if it goes up just a little bit? Now, if you'd have told me your PSA was 20 or 30 or, you know, even higher then that, that would be something you might want to consider getting a biopsy. I don't know, uh, Charles, I, I, if it were me or my family, I, I might say you might want to wait on that. Uh, and see if you have any further symptoms and, okay. and maybe just, you know, follow it about every three to six months just to see. Because you're right. I mean, the treatment for this at your age is, you know, it's it's just as likely that you might die of or uh, more likely probably that you die of something else than the well, that's prostate what, cancer. That's,
6: that's what I was thinking. Uh, <clears throat> my dad lived to be 97 and he had prostate cancer
1: yeah yeah so it's it is a risk benefit discussion that you have to have with your physician and it it, sometimes it's frustrating for patients because they just want an answer right they just want us to say i think you need to get a biopsy or i think we can just wait on it but we don't always know those answers and that's when the doctor gets a little vague on you and says
6: i had a doctor tell me he didn't know what he would do if he was in the same situation,
1: yeah, yeah, um,
6: and
1: and uh, I, you know, but I would, I would say with that in mind, with not having too many symptoms, uh, I, I think you're you could go either way on it obviously and if you know the risk uh you know of the biopsy and, and and knowing that you have it uh one way or another even the biopsy sometimes can miss it um uh if it's if it's pretty if it's small the biopsy just uh you know they do multiple biopsies when they do a biopsy it's not just one uh one stick but uh yeah i don't i don't know charles that's that's really there's not a whole lot of things there that that would get me really excited about going aggressively after it.
6: Well, I sure appreciate it. All right. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I feel good. I don't have any, you know, I, I'm able to do anything I want to do. And Right. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, if it changes, I probably would. But, I, I mean, I, I, that that may be something you just want to just, uh, you know, continue to discuss with your physician.
6: All righty. I appreciate it.
1: Appreciate All right. You're taking up the time. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Yeah, those are tough decisions on things like that. So let's uh, go to Jason all the way from California. Thank you for calling, Jason. Good morning.
7: Good morning. How are you doing? Good. All right. Yes, yeah, so I was talking about detoxing. Uh, I'm a heavy set guy, and I've heard occasionally that uh, fat around your organs uh, helps, well, con- constitutes uh, storing, uh, you know, bad enzymes in your organs and stuff like that, and I was Wondering, could you recommend a good total body detox, or should I take a separate one for kidneys? stuff like that. Yeah, the, uh, the detox,
1: right, the detox uh, community uh, are, are let, me, let me back up a little bit and talk about the, the fat deposition. You're exactly right. Fat is not just something that takes up space, makes us get bigger and have to buy new clothes. It is, uh, right, right. it is a metabolically active tissue that contributes to a lot of other things. And that's why when you gain weight, you're more at risk to have high blood pressure and diabetes because that fat those fat cells themselves are secreting different hormones and different substances that can affect all kinds of different things in your body and those go all over the place and we also know that there's a little bit different risk all any any excess weight is bad however there is a little bit of, there's a good bit of evidence actually that if it's around certain organs particularly those organs in your middle so your kidneys your intestines your pancreas that something is a little bit different about that that distribution we know everybody distributes fat differently some you know there's the old pear or apple shape uh, um, but uh, you know some people deposit it symmetrically some people just get it in certain areas but if you look at by MRI other other scanning techniques that uh, ultrasound that look at where that fat is it actually does matter now you mentioned detox so There's a lot of stuff out there about detox. It doesn't really... Affect the fat in that kind of manner. You can't take some substance to dissolve fat or to detox that fat. So the only thing that really works for for from a health standpoint that's been shown is weight loss through a number of means, and most of those are decreasing your calories and increasing your physical activity uh, over time. There are some medications that do that. I don't recommend those just, you know, for anybody. I don't prescribe those myself. Um, and then, of course, the the a lot of the newer things like bariatric surgery, that's a gastric sleeve, which really is limiting the amount of calories that come into your body. Uh, detox uh, doesn't really have a lot of evidence for that, particularly as it relates to fat. Now, if you change, certainly I'm a huge fan of changing your diet and doing it in a healthy way, you know, for fresh fruits, and vegetables you can't go wrong with that if you want to do that that is certainly if you want to look at I look at it as a detox cuz that's what you're doing um uh-huh. Okay. But it, d- it decreases the amount of calories that you have. It changes that ratio of fats and carbohydrates that you're getting. It's certainly a lot more fiber that we talked about earlier. Lots better nutrition as far as uh, you know vitamins and minerals goes. But that is perfectly fine. You can do it through juicing. You can do it through raw vegetables uh, and fruits. Gotcha. Um, locally grown is great. I'm a big fan of that, too. But I think that's much better than doing some of these other things with... Detox.
7: Okay, I right, thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you for calling all the way from California. You have a great day. Okay. All right, you too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We got somebody, McArthur on the road. Oh, I got. Yes, I got the right person. Sorry, McArthur on the road. Question about knee replacement.
7: Yeah, how you doing? Good. All right. I'm in the process of getting one done. One of my knees done. I, I very few people I talked to said they wouldn't have it done. I just want to ask, what would be some of the reasons that, that the new replacement wouldn't be successful?
1: Uh, so if you've had destruction of the joint that has changed the angle of the leg, that may be something that, that would be a risk factor, that it wouldn't be as good an outcome. I tell you, the biggest thing is just choosing your surgeon well. So if you ask around other people, see who they've used and and look at them and see if they're walking around fine, and then you can, nowadays, you can Google, you can get uh, yourself or somebody else to go online, look, at, uh, look up the surgeon, see what their outcome is. Outcomes are. Make sure that they have low risk of infection uh, post-op. You know, after you get out of the surgery, and see what their success rates are. Ask the surgeon that, and you know, you can sort of check them out to begin with. Obesity is one. So if you if you can lose weight before the surgery, if you're overweight, that'll help out after the the joint replacement. But that's that's also a risk factor. Actually, that's a big risk factor uh, of the of you not having a good outcome afterwards.
2: And then, All right. And then, man, that sounds good.
1: Yeah, and you know, the orthopedic surgeons they'll they'll tell you, you know, they'll the patient will say, "Doc, when do I need a, a knee replacement?" And the orthopedic surgeon say, "You'll know when you need it." Well, what they mean is, if the pain gets worse enough and the movement is decreased enough, that's the point usually where people will say, "Okay, it's time."
3: Yeah, that's the point I'm
1: too. All right. All right. Well, good luck to you, Arthur. Thank you for calling.
0: Uh, thank
1: you, too. All right. We got about uh, two minutes left. Let's go to Lee in Woodville. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Dr. Jimmy. Thank you for calling. All right. First of all, let me say
7: I'm one of Dr. Rick DeShazel's favorite callers. I oh. love them
1: all. All right. <laughs>
7: Look, I'm a, a stroke survivor. Uh-huh. And... I've had multiple strokes. And I have to go back. I'm on the pain management because of other issue with my back. And I'm about to have an epidural uh, anesthesia.
1: Uh-huh.
7: But on Sunday, just two days ago, three days ago, I started losing more tone in my left leg. I've been having, you know, I had the strokes almost on the right hemisphere, and I had problems with my left side. I could tell the difference. I can't hardly pick my left leg up, kick my foot up, move it around, or do things with it. And I'm wondering is that because I've been hurting for the last couple of months? Or I hadn't had physical therapy in a while, or what?
1: Yeah, it can be progressive over time if you're not able to move it. Anytime we don't move something, either because the nerves are damaged, like, say, from a stroke, or if you're not using it a whole lot, that'll be damaged over time, you can lose a lot of the function of it, the strength of it, and the range of motion. I think you need to get back into physical therapy working with you, and maybe even a physical rehab specialist, like a a physical medicine and rehab specialist, and those are around, and they may uh, can design Design a program where you can, uh, you know, get back in in uh, moving that around uh, to the point where you can start using it again. And you because can you can see how how long ago was the stroke?
7: I had a stroke in twenty twelve. Okay. A stroke in twenty thirteen, and a stroke in twenty seventeen.
1: So a bunch. Okay. And I've did had that,
7: three do, strokes. Gotcha. And all of them have been uh, hemorrhagic strokes.
1: Oh, okay, okay. In the right hemisphere. Yeah. So so the other thing to think about is, uh, have you had another stroke would be a good question to ask. No. Well, you know, I, I would— I'm
7: talking like a genius to you right now. <laughs> if I had a stroke upstairs or something— I couldn't be able to function like
1: this. Well, sometimes you can have very small areas that are affected, though. So that's that's. It could be a TIA. It could be a TIA, but TIAs they get better. So they're they're like usually you know minutes to hours, and then the symptoms go away. Uh, They've before one wonderful. Yeah. So so I, I wouldn't totally mark that off the list just yet. I went I,
7: to my neurologist this morning, and he checked and the you neurologist out, neurologist. Nor the nurse practitioner; neither one was in the office.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. they so
7: I'm gonna go back, and call my general practitioner, and talk to them today. I just call them and level a message.
1: And you know, and something else that physical therapy may help with is just assessing just how much of that function that you've lost. I predict...
7: yeah, I, I've called, and the physical the doctor has recommended my pain management doctor has recommended me an order for physical therapy, and I called them again today, and I said that my physical therapist to start again next week.
1: Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Lee, I, I would I would do that and just to see if they can get you some of that mobility back, and then if you're not getting any better, that's the point where probably you need to go back and see the neurologist.
7: Cause I don't go to, I got an appointment on the 27th of November to see my neurologist, but I was going today, after I started
1: bumbling around. Right, right. Well, I, I might do the physical therapy first and then I think if that didn't work, I'd, I'd go, you know, since you already got that appointment, follow up with them. All right, Lee, that's all the time we got for today. Thank everybody for calling in. Have a safe and happy Halloween with your family. Uh, do things smart tonight. Uh, carry a flashlight. Make sure you got all your kids there. Have a plan and know where you're going. Got some bad players in some areas. Uh, don't go anywhere where you're not familiar with. This has been Southern Remedy, which is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Hey, thanks for Michelle McAdoo and Liz Gill and the booth, uh, fielding calls and uh, having all this wonderful music except for Jaws. This is Southern Remedy. Stay tuned next for Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.